In those days, a decree went out from Caesar, and so everyone went to their town to be registered. Joseph went up from Nazareth to the city of Bethlehem along with Mary. And when they were there, it came time for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in cloth and laid him in a manger. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the field at night and keeping watch over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born. For you who is the Messiah, the Lord, sheep. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Isn't that great? Jump! There we go. So a few weeks ago, I was uh, sitting on the couch. I was, I was channel surfing, looking for a football game to watch. Um, and instead, I came across one of the greatest cinematic masterpieces of all time. Blades of Glory. Now, um, and of course, it's the end scene where there's this uh, foot race on ice skates. So I had to watch the rest of the movie. And, and it was one of those channels where as soon as it's done with the movie, it's rolling the credits, it rolls into the next movie. It's kind of a long form TikTok. And the next movie was Talladega Nights. So of course, I had to watch that. And there's that famous scene in the beginning uh, where Ricky Bobby's praying at the dinner table with the family. And they're all talking about the baby Jesus that they love the most. You know, eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus, Jesus with a tuxedo t-shirt and all of that. And you may expect at this point that I'm going to Jesus juke you and say that it doesn't matter which Jesus you like better. Um, there's only one Jesus, but I'm not going to actually say that because the genius of that movie is Jesus is a lot of different things to us and we need him to actually be all of them. In fact, I was reading an old Bible commentary that came out in the 1700s. And this commentator said that there are in the Bible 198, and I didn't double check his math, but 198 different names and titles for Jesus in the Bible. And if you're a regular around here at RIV, you know for the last several weeks, we've been working our way through the Christmas story in the gospel accounts, and we've been looking at the different names and titles of Jesus that show up in those gospel accounts. And we've seen that Jesus is the Son of God, He is the Son of Man, He is Emmanuel, He is the Son of the Most High, He is the Savior. And today, we're just looking at this idea that we just saw in very cute fashion that Jesus is the Messiah. Here again, in case you missed it because of all the cute, um, were the words of the angels to the shepherd. It says this, or the, to the shepherds, today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. 
Now, if you are super familiar with the Christmas story, maybe you grew up in the church, or maybe you have your own Bible and you're kind of tracking along with this passage, you may know that in some translations, it actually says something different. Instead of saying that, that this, this Jesus um, was the Messiah, the Lord, other translations say he is Christ, the Lord. So which is it? Is Jesus the Christ or the Messiah? Was this a typo? Is this an inconsistency? Well, here's the thing. These two words mean exactly the same thing. Christ, contrary to popular opinion, was not Jesus' last name. Um, H is not his middle initial. Um, but Christ is the English version of the Greek word Christos, which means the anointed one. Messiah in the English, is the English version of the Hebrew word mashik, which means the anointed one. In other words, it's the same thing. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. So you could say that what the angel was saying right there to the shepherds that day is today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the anointed one, the Lord. Now, this idea of the anointed one is actually really rich in, in, the, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament of the Bible. Because what we see in the Old Testament of the Bible is that certain types of, of, of spiritual leaders, uh, the prophets, priests, and kings were all anointed to their role. And what that means is they would literally take oil and dump it on their heads. And so the oil would run from their heads down across their beard, across into their robe, and this signified that they were being anointed to a specific job, a specific position. Prophets, priests, and kings. So prophets, they were anointed to have a special job of speaking God's word to the people. They would both foretell and foretell God's word. And those are two different things that they did, but they're pretty much the same in two categories. The foretelling is declaring with 100% certainty and 100% accuracy something that will one day happen but hasn't happened yet. Forthtelling is declaring with 100% certainty and 100% accuracy something that was going on in the world today that the prophet had no business knowing. <laughs> That they had, they had no internet, you know, it's not like they could search and double check it. It's just, they had no idea that it was happening, but they were told by God that it was. That's what prophets did. And then there were priests. Priests served as the mediator between God and people, and they would accept sacrifices on behalf of the people so that they would be made right with God. So if they sinned, they'd bring an offering, the priest would accept it, and they would basically stand between the people and God. And then there were kings. Kings would rule and reign here over people. But very rarely in all the Old Testament did anybody hold more than one of those offices. It happened a few times, but it was very rare. Someone was either a prophet or they were a priest or they were a king. They, they had distinct offices, but Jesus is not just a anointed one. I'm not sure if it's a, is it an? And, 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 and that's wrong. It's our anointed one. Jesus was the anointed one. In fact, I'll, I'm going to teach you a really big word so you can say you actually learned something on Christmas Eve. Um, Jesus was uh, what theologians call triperspectival. Is that not a great word? Let's break it down. We all know what it means. Tri means what? Three. Perspectival means what? 
perspectival means perspective, right? Which means you can look at Jesus from three different perspectives. He is prophet, he is priest, he is king, and you need him to be all of them for you. You need Jesus to be a prophet. There's this famous story in John 4 where Jesus sits down with a woman and, and in detail, he tells her about her life. And we don't know enough about her story to know, know if she had sinned or if she had been sinned against. It was probably some combination of those things. But when Jesus kind of lays out her life, something he had no business knowing, she looked at him and she said, you, sir, are a prophet. And Jesus has done that to me too. I mean, it happened recently. I was in one of those seasons where uh, someone was getting under my skin, and don't worry, it was none of you, it does not, somebody who goes to Riverview. Um, uh, they, they, and, and I felt like this person was disrespecting me, and I, I felt like they were slandering me, and they probably didn't even realize that I felt that way, but I was just so angry with them, and I felt this bitterness growing underneath my skin toward them. And then I was reading in my daily Bible reading plan, and Jesus said this, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your own eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. And I was like, come on, Jesus. Like, we need prophet Jesus to point out our sin. But thank God that's not all he is. Because Jesus is not just our prophet, he's our priest. It says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus stands in between us and God, and he mediates. And he does that because he had died on the cross, taking our sin with him. He was buried, and our sin got buried with him, and then he rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death. And so now all we do is we believe in him. We accept him, and what happens is if, if you've believed in Jesus and you've accepted him, if anyone tries to condemn you, you don't have to listen. Because <laughs> we're told in Romans 8, verse 34, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised, but also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us, which means right now, in this instant, Jesus is interceding for you, which means he's praying for you, which means he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and if anybody tries to condemn you, he turns to his Father and says, got that one. That one's mine. You don't have to listen to that accusation. And for those of us who have been saved by Jesus, he's not just our prophet and our priest, but when you really get that he is those two things, he has to become our king. Not just ruling in, in some coming kingdom, but in our daily lives. And we get a picture of this, a, a proper response to Jesus in a famous scene in the Christmas story when the wise men show up on the scene. It says, entering the house... They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. The proper response to Jesus as king is worship. And here's the thing, what worship is, it's just us responding to something. 
And basically, that's what worship is. And, and, and so let's just face the facts. Every single one of us has some things in our lives that we worship, and there's something in our lives that we worship more than anything else. And all you gotta do is look at the center of your universe, and you'll find that thing that you worship more than anything else. You can worship a good career. You can worship a good reputation. You can worship having a comfortable life. You could worship having an abundance of wealth. You can worship your spouse. You can worship your kids. You can worship a 1965 cherry red convertible Stingray Corvette that you lust after in your heart, right? Something sits at the center of your life and that's your king. And Jesus famously said this in Matthew 6. He said, no one can serve two masters since either he'll hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. We all know this to be true. So today, as we celebrate Christmas, I wanna ask you to consider who is it that you actually worship? Who or what sits at that ultimate place in the center of your life and then how's that working out for you? I can tell you, I've been worshiping Jesus and trying to follow King Jesus for a really long time and here's what I can tell you, it's not all glitter and mountaintops. There are dark seasons, there are seasons when following Jesus, and, and I may be in trouble, I may lose my job, but I'll say it anyway. Following Jesus, even as a pastor, is sometimes like, bleh. It just feels that way sometimes. But you know what? Jesus has proven himself worth it every single time for me. You know, when I find myself judging someone like I was doing a few weeks ago, and I, I felt like rightly so, I was so frustrated with how they were slandering and, and disrespecting me, and then Jesus reminded me of the log in my own eye and all the sin that I was carrying to that situation, and then when he does that, something changes inside of me. When I realize that I'm not just a, a, a beacon of light, but I'm part of the problem, something changes inside of me, and then when I remember that Jesus doesn't condemn me because of that log in my eye, then I feel loved. And then when I feel loved, then I remember to put Jesus on that proper place on the throne at the center of my life. And then I look at the world around me, a world of hurt and sorrow and pain, and I want everyone else to know this Jesus too. And I just wanna challenge you today. If you've never actually considered the claims of Jesus, would you make this season the time where you actually do? where you consider maybe you need a prophet in your life to point out your areas of weakness, your sin that you carry. Maybe you need a, a priest in your life to reconcile you to God, to, to clean all that mess up, and you most certainly need a king in your life to replace that thing at the center right now. So would you pray with me as we consider those things? Heavenly Father, we just pray um, that Jesus would be our prophet, our priest, and our king. And we just thank you for this time at Christmas where we get to remember and to celebrate this together. And we pray all this in Jesus' saving name, amen.